Welcome into the latest Gator Sports Podcast presented by the Gainesville Sun. Zach Albaverde and Graham Hall here. And slow news week, Graham. Not much to talk about. Yeah. Uh, I think there was an NCAA volleyball tournament last week. Mary Wise had her 1,000th win. But besides that, not too much is going on. Shout out to Mary Wise. Absolutely. The first and only female head coach to reach 1,000 wins in Division I. The sixth all-time to do it. Yeah. And now she's got an... Yeah, and now she's got a new co-worker in Billy Napier, who is was introduced Sunday as Florida's new head football coach and has already hit the ground running with staff hires and recruiting moves, should we say. We're going to discuss all of that today on the Gator Sports Podcast and give our reaction to some of the news and some of the hires that Billy Napier has made. And Graham, let's just start off, before we get into his introductory press conference and our reaction to it, with the news here Wednesday night as we sit and record this podcast that Billy Napier has gone into the state of Louisiana and poached the LSU legend, Corey Raymond from the Tigers and Brian Kelly, who apparently Raymond was like, nah, don't want to work for you. I'm going to go join Billy Napier at Florida. So huge, huge hire for Napier as he's starting to put together his staff. I think it's a sign of how well-respected he is in college football right now, despite only having four years of a head coach under his belt. We saw Nick Saban come out last week and say, I don't have a bad word to say about Billy Napier. You've heard Scott Strickland now repeatedly say this is a guy, when you talk to people, you heard the praise of how genuine, humble, just the entire list that Scott Strickland, I think it was eight adjectives of how he described him. And you're just starting to see, I think, that already in, what, 72 hours on the job be affirmed by the moves, not only just people following him from Louisiana, the program he just worked at, but now LSU, the report coming out from Matt Zenitz at On3 Sports that Corey Raymond will join Billy Napier here in Gainesville. I think absolutely it's a sign right now that this is a respected guy here who doesn't have the Power 5 wins under his belt right now, but he has a lot of people believing that he's going to have a lot pretty soon. And now with this hire that we know about in the first four that were announced this week, which we'll get into a lot of ties to the state of Louisiana, along with the man himself, Napier. So the Gators definitely looking, I think, to make some noise there. And I think they're going to lean on those relationships, at least certainly to close out the 2022 class, but I think early on in the 2023 cycle. There's no doubt that Billy Napier and his staff, once it's done, and put together, they're going to have to prioritize the state of Florida. He said it in his introductory press conference. However, to close out the class, at least to try and recruit some guys here, I think he and his assistants are going to lean on the relationships that they have and the guys that they've not only evaluated but recruited for probably multiple years in the state of Louisiana and the surrounding states. So that's why you see them, some of their first stops being in Louisiana and some of the first offers going out in Texas because I do think that you're going to see them make some noise there and with the hire of Corey Raymond that's definitely going to happen now you also again got to take care of your own backyard and I think there's certainly a lot of ground to make up there especially with some of the departures which we'll get into but 
there, I mean, he knows no one has to tell him that he has to recruit the state of Florida, but I do think he's trying to take advantage of the fact that he's been in Louisiana for the last four years and now has some coaches that can tap into those ties. You absolutely have to take advantage of that in the short term. I don't think anyone's arguing that not only is he going to have to use the relationships he's built over the last four years in the state of Louisiana now that he's in Gainesville to improve the Florida program in the short term, but when it comes to the players that he's recruited because you know it's not just this class of guys that he's been recruiting you're talking the class of 2023 the class of 2024 he's going to have to rely on those relationships for the next couple of years here at Florida to really get that boost in recruiting that they're looking for but you know Zach I do get a few vibes from just what happened with Dan Mullen's first class because he did the same thing, relied on a lot of the relationships that he had built and got guys in here. And then you saw that push into California that kind of didn't make too much sense for a whole lot of people. And that was a couple months into his tenure. So I think that in the first couple of months, the 60 days that you saw Billy Napier mention, it's fine to go for the Louisiana guys. But I thought it was huge that he mentioned the state of Florida. And that in the talent acquisition I business. I love that phrase. Oh, man. But that was mentioned. That's PR. But that was mentioned in the same breath as recruiting the state of Florida. Yeah. So he knows that if he's going to acquire talent, that's where it has to happen first. And he was reportedly at IMG Academy today. So you understand that he is going to get right to work recruiting the Sunshine State here. But you got to have a mix, obviously. Yeah. I don't think anyone's arguing. And that. don't be surprised if you see the quarterback commit from LSU, who's a five star and it's from. Lafayette, Louisiana, end up as his signal caller in this class. And we'll get into more recruiting, but that's right there is an example of a relationship that he can take advantage of simply from not only being in the state of Louisiana, but right there in Lafayette and recruiting Howard all this time. So we'll see how that plays out. We'll talk solely about recruiting in the final segment. Before we get to this first break, I do want to give our reaction. Certainly we're a few days out now, but his introductory press conference on Sunday, I don't think Graham... People were expecting him to go out there and wow anybody just based on his prior interviews, and he's not necessarily the type of personality that's going to, quote, win the press conference, but I thought he did. I thought that his personality came across really well, certainly the things that he had to say, but his response to a lot of the questions and just his demeanor and the way that he goes about things, I think that Gator fans liked what they saw on Sunday and and just what he's doing to try and go about building this program. I thought Dan Mullen had a tendency at times to be this over-the-top salesman for the Florida program, and you saw that really early on. And when you're winning, people love that because the quips and the wit, you know, that's awesome. But Florida has been humbled. This season has been extremely humbling for a program that 11 months ago was sitting at number six in the college football playoff rankings. And now has really kind of been the laughing stock for a variety of reasons over the past year. So you need someone who's going to come in and assert this fine balance between, hey, this is Florida, we have top five standards here, but right now this is not a top five program. And I thought that Billy Napier's personality isn't completely made for that, and he nailed that. He nailed that balance in his introductory statement. I think I made the statement on Twitter, how did he have time to write this speech in between winning the conference championship the night before and then getting into Gainesville early in the morning. Just incredible that he had this entire plan laid out here, but it shows how prepared he really was. I thought that was pretty pretty telling right off the bat there. And I thought that just the way he came off, not selling himself was the best way to sell himself 
to this Florida program, yeah. this fan base. And I know that there have been some controversial moves here and some emotionally invested decisions that have just rubbed people the wrong way since that press conference. But I thought the way that he addressed the media the first time and only time that we've seen him speak in Gainesville just was 100% an A-plus in my book, Zach. Yeah, and, and I'll get into some of that, I think, certainly in the next segment once we start talking about the staff hires and moves that have been made. But I thought coming out of it, the theme of that press conference the first time we got to hear from him was recruiting. And not just recruiting for this year, and, and that is a topic, but more about how they're going to go about doing it with an unprecedented army of people, as Billy Napier said, and and a plan that they're going to put in place that, that really focuses, I think, on building the roster the right way and I think taking a patient approach. And he, I think, cautioned people right there in that introductory presser that we're not going to rush to sign a bunch of guys. We may not sign many on Wednesday once the early signing period kicks in. And we're going to take our time to evaluate and get to know these guys and not, you know, to take his term, not just elope right there really quick before signing day. So I think that for a lot of fans that are recruiting hungry and they want to see this class kind of shoot back up the team rankings, it's going to take some time. And I don't know necessarily if it's going to happen right away. It might not be until the signing day in February where we really start to see some moves for this class. Now, I do think there's going to be some signees once they get to the early signing period, but he has a plan certainly in place that he's taken from his time at Alabama, time at Clemson, and then implemented at Louisiana. And this support staff and the recruiting staff is going to get much bigger than what we've ever seen at Florida and they feel like that's what they need to try to take this thing to the next level. He mentioned the investment that Scott Strickland yes. was willing to make, and, and that was a big reason why he accepted this SEC job. We, yeah. we knew that teams had made the run at him before, and I don't know if the other ones were necessarily well-positioned to do what he was looking for. And I think just to chime in on that real quick, I, I asked Scott, and he had to give a politically correct answer, but... You know, he mentioned the fact that he was willing to give Billy these upgrades and, and these more resources and finances for recruiting based on his pitch. And he was like, hey, when somebody comes to you asking to invest in their company and they have a good business model, you're willing to do it. And for Billy, he had a great plan and something that made a lot of sense. And I, I kind of thought, and certainly what we hear a lot with Dan Mullen and the knock on him and recruiting and kind of how he structured things, I, I don't think it was a situation where he or certainly anyone on the staff was asking for things and it wasn't something that Scott or the UAA would deliver. I think Dan probably felt like he had everything that he was wanting or needed based on how much he prioritized recruiting, which, as we've come to know, wasn't a lot or certainly as much as the recruiting junkies like Billy Napier. So I think those resources have always been there. I just don't know if maybe Mullen was pounding on the table for them in the way that a guy like Muschamp probably was and certainly now Napier. Early into his tenure, I think we, and I may be wrong about this, but my memory... Remember, some of his first recruiting hires were not good. He had to totally restructure his staff. But Mullen attempted to come off in those first few months as a guy who did recruit. He was asked about taking the helicopter to places early on, like he Nick did Saban. Do that. Yeah. And you saw them, I think, advertise a lot about the way that they were treating people in the IPF with the food that they were serving, really all this pre-pandemic 
hype when they were able to do this in-person stuff. The salesman stuff I mentioned came off extremely well for Dan Mullen. But then when you saw that be shut down, this wasn't a guy, I think, who was nonstop texting recruits. He kind of you know, delegated those responsibilities to other people on his staff. He wasn't FaceTiming kids nonstop. It was really a situation where once he lost the in-person aspect and, and the way that he could kind of sell himself as a recruiter, you really, I, I think, lost a lot of the tangible actual recruiting because he wasn't doing that texting and, and calling that a lot of these other coaches are known for. So I thought that was a huge problem for him on the trail. And, and when it comes to Napier, he's going to have to do a lot of just in-person, get out there, prove that you're going to talk to these people one-on-one and get to know the families. And that can be, I think, a little bit tough to do when you are a new head coach and you're already taking this approach that you're not going to prioritize early signing period. But, you know, Zach, I've heard a lot of people say that with the transfer portal, there are recent coaches that have built their classes up solely through the transfer portal, signed a few guys, you know, five, six guys in the class, and then built really picked and choose their roster who they wanted in those first couple of years through the transfer portal mel tucker certainly one that comes to mind right away it can be done and the fact that napier came out and said it i thought on day one was pretty telling it'd be one thing if he said hey we're going to try and sign a whole bunch of guys and and then they strike out and miss and then and then they go to the transfer portal but saying right away off the jump we're not going to sign many you're going to be frustrated with me i thought that was huge for him that's part of the plan because if you're losing guys left and right, that's a sign that maybe they don't have faith in the coach, but instead you're, you're right now living up to your word, as a matter of fact. Absolutely. Now we're going to jump to this first break. When we come back on the other side, we're going to get to some of the staff hires that have taken place so far and some of the other pieces that we think could be added here in the next week or so. We'll be right back after this break. Welcome back into the Gator Sports Podcast. Zach and Graham here. We mentioned at the top of the show the reported hire of Corey Raymond, which by the time you guys are listening to this will probably be official. And we got some official hires on Monday as Billy Napier announced the first four additions to his staff, including his strength coach, a guy that's going to be replacing Nick Savage. I know a lot of players were hoping that he would get retained, but I think it was pretty clear looking at his staff at Louisiana and Mark Hawk's background as a guy that was at Alabama for six seasons under Nick Saban, was at Georgia, then went to Jimbo Fisher's staff at Florida State, followed him to Texas A&M, and now he's been with Billy Napier for the past four years. I thought there's no way that this guy's not going to come with him to Gainesville, and he did. He was the first guy that got announced actually as the staff member. So he's coming as the associate head coach and director of football strength and conditioning. You also have the hire announced of Patrick Tony, who will be the co-defensive coordinator and safeties coach, a young guy in this profession, 31 years old, and definitely an up-and-comer, a guy that has got a lot of rave reviews from his time at Louisiana. And then I think one of the, the best hires so far that's been made, another guy with some LSU ties, running backs coach and associate head coach on the offensive side, Jabbar Jaluke who's a former LSU assistant, a guy that tutored Leonard Fournette uh, before he went on to the NFL, and you already saw him show Jaluk some love on, on Twitter once that hire got announced. So, And then the final guy that was announced so far is Ryan O'Hara, who's going to coach the quarterbacks with Billy Napier, and he's an offensive analyst. So they've already kind of hit the ground running. There's, a, I think, probably at least a half dozen or so more guys that have already came from Louisiana just haven't been officially announced yet, but they're already here 
working in Gainesville. And I think before we talk about some other potential additions, what are your thoughts on those first four names and some of the guys that are coming over with him, all four from Louisiana? Yeah, when it comes to Hawk, I think obviously an incredibly impressive resume. I know that a lot of Florida players were really coming out in support of Nick Savage. You saw that social media support campaign try and keep him and and you saw the pictures of the tangible evidence that that he had helped these guys after Kent but what you said Zach that just makes the most sense you know how much a head coach loves to have their strength and conditioning coordinator just knowing that the coach that the players are going to spend the most time with is someone that they trust and understand the regimen and how they're training so that made a whole lot of sense to me that Savage was not going to return to the program and, and that they were going to have someone else in here as for Tony, we've heard that this is a guy who's just incredibly intelligent and what a 180 in terms of scheme from Todd Grantham, just in terms of the willingness to adapt and learn and study the game and how it's changing right now. You hear that you hear that Tony's really one of these guys who pays a lot of attention to how the game is shifting and how he can help his de- defense that year benefit from the way the game is adapting so I thought that was an incredibly obvious move in a sense but a very intelligent one and we still don't know if he's going to be the defensive play caller because he is the co-DC so there could be somebody else that's coming in that is a little bit more experienced or or certainly has been at the power five that that might get the nod in terms of play calling duties but that's to be determined we do know that Billy Napier is going to call the plays on offense and we'll see there's still some more hires to be made to fill out this staff. He has basically informed every assistant except one that they're not going to be retained. Now, it's my understanding that you know some of the guys were going to be evaluated, but right now the only guy that's still hasn't cleaned out his office and is expecting that he's going to have a shot maybe to stay on staff is Christian Robinson. Now, uh, my understanding that he's is was that he was being evaluated as a potential staff hire. Uh, when that decision could be made, we'll we'll find out. But everybody else, certainly guys like Garrick McGee with Billy Napier uh, announcing the addition of Ryan O'Hara, you knew that he was not going to be retained. And then certainly with Jalou coming over, Greg Knox is not going to be retained. So a lot of these guys have come out and said it, like Tim Brewster basically wish goodbye to Gator Nation. I thought he was a guy that might have a chance to stay, but I think that now that we've seen some of these hires already made, and he's brought over a lot of guys from Louisiana, the majority of the guys that he's going to take, I think, have already come. Maybe there will be one or two more hires that come from Louisiana, but I also think that some of those guys are going to stay on staff with the tight ends coach who got promoted to take over for Napier as head coach. So certainly not everybody's going to come. And he's going to have to make some hires with some guys that have some SEC experience and also some ties to the state of Florida. And I think for these final hires, and as he fills out his staff, Graham, you're going to see that. You're going to see some guys that have either been in the SEC, have ties to the state of Florida, or I would not be surprised, especially along the line of scrimmage, to see some guys come over from the NFL. I'm with you on Tim Brewster. I just don't know if you can get a more experienced tight ends coach who one who's already right here in your backyard has been recruiting these players has a familiarity with your tight ends who are clearly some you know up and coming pass catchers in your offense no matter how you decide to use them schematically moving forward and I look at Christian Robinson as this guy who's going to have a ton of offers 
And if you aren't going to immediately make a move to retain him, I think that kind of sends the message loud and clear. And he's so, just like Nick Savage loved in this locker room, that if you're not going to be listening to that, maybe he's just being kept around to make the the players kind of happy right now in the interim to ease the transition a little bit further right now. And so I just would caution anyone thinking that there's going to be any retentions in that regard from any of the past staff. We've known that there just seems to be this onus on starting fresh here from Dan Mullen. And that makes me think that from recruiting to coaching staff, you're going to see all new guys coming in here. But if they do end up retaining Christian Robinson, I think that would be a very, very smart move for the players currently on the roster. Because you've seen in the past, it'd be tough for players to buy in by spring practice, by those January workouts. And if you really want to get the most out of them, even if it's just that first year, having one person, one familiar face that is a coach to reassure you, hey, listen, we're still in this. I'm not abandoning you. You know, the work that we did last year was not all for naught because I'm still here. I'm still doing this. I think that can raise the ceiling a little bit. And Christian Robinson is a player's coach. You saw him tasked with taking over the defensive coordinator duties when Todd Grantham was dismissed. I thought you saw the defense make some improvements there in that Florida State game and even in that Samford game. You know, they talked about how they locked down there in the second half. You heard Antonio Valentino talk about that, that they're going to look at the improvements they made in the latter half of November in terms of their narrative. So if Robinson does return, I could see a lot of benefits for that, Zach. And certainly going to be a lot of benefits from Vernell Brown returning. He came out on Monday morning and announced that he was going to be retained by Billy Napier. And I think for him to stay, you obviously are coming in, and I think a lot of cleaning house is going to take place. But any guys that you can keep around that are a familiar face and certainly are as respected as Vernell Brown, the face of Florida football as Urban Meyer dubbed him. I think that that was a great move, certainly by Billy as he's coming in. And he's going to bring in his guys, certainly from the coaching aspect and from the recruiting department. But Vernell made a lot of sense. And I think that that was a hire that a lot of people were expecting. So we're going to jump to this last break. When we come back, we're going to recap all the recruiting happenings that we've seen so far in the first week and where things are headed as we approach the early signing period. We'll be right back after this break. Welcome back into the Gator Sports Pod. Zach and Graham here. And Graham, there's been a lot of movement this week on the recruiting front since Billy Napier was hired. We expected that there was going to be some defections, maybe not this many this fast, but he clearly is coming in with a plan in place and he wants to take his time with these evaluations. And I don't think that he was ready to maybe sign a lot of guys that had been committed simply just off of that. He's going to want to take a chance to get to know them, evaluate them, and I think there's going to be other guys that he feels like simply don't fit his scheme or maybe what he's trying to build roster-wise. So there's been, I think, five decommitments since his hiring, and there were two on Tuesday night with Nick Evers and C.J. Smith, and then two more on Wednesday. I still think that there's probably going to be a few more to come. And there's not going to be a rush to sign a bunch of guys on Wednesday. And as Graham mentioned, he kind of cautioned everybody in his introductory presser that that was going to be the case. But I wouldn't freak out necessarily if you're a Florida fan or you follow recruiting because this is simply what happens a lot of times when coaches take over and they're going to go after their guys or or just kind of restructure the class in a transition year. 
I really just got to kind of get this off my chest in a sense because I understand the emotions tied to recruiting and these decisions. But what people have to realize is that when nearly all of these players committed to the Florida Gators, it didn't look like Dan Mullen was going to be gone from the program whatsoever until mid-October. So you know that new coaches come in and then re-offer players. They get re-offered even if they've previously had an offer from the program because it came from a different coaching staff. So I really feel bad for a lot of these players who had to be quote-unquote committed to the program, even though they were you know, committed to the coach in a sense there. And then people expect them to be retained when a lot of them have shut down their options. I mean, look at Nick Evers, a guy who's going to be an early enrollee and didn't visit anywhere else but Florida. If he still wants to be an early enrollee now, he may have to go somewhere that he's never stepped foot on before, all because he was extremely loyal to Florida throughout the process. Yeah. And now they have no onus, no responsibility to be loyal to him because he didn't get an offer from Florida. He got an offer from Dan Mullen. And Garrick McGee. And Garrick McGee, who's not, not here anymore. So all these people... I can totally see why the Evers family would be upset because now they're going to have to take a massive risk because they were loyal for more than a year. And now a lot of people don't understand that or are even criticizing them for being emotional or upset about that decision when their 18-year-old son, who is supposed to be looking forward to his senior final two semesters of high school, is now going off to college to a place that he's possibly never stepped foot on before. And that's just the beast of wanting to possibly make it to the highest levels of professional football. You have to take those types of risks and people are going to criticize you for it along the way because of a decision you made when you had no foresight that the rug was going to be pulled out from under you in the final hour. Yeah, and I don't think anybody is going to be criticizing these kids. At least I haven't seen that from a lot of Gator fans. They, I think most recognize what's happening here. And look, at the end of the day, it's an unfortunate situation. These guys are basically, or a lot of these guys, should we say, are, are kind of casualties of this coaching change. But I will say for all the Florida fans that follow recruiting religiously and have been very unhappy about how things have taken place over the last year plus you guys want to change and and this is what's coming with it that's what i don't get also all these people who supposedly no longer trust dan mullen's judgment are now upset that the players that dan mullen recruited or wanted or wanted aren't coming to gainesville and you and i have talked kind of ad nauseum about the mismanagement of quarterback and plugging the holes through the transfer portal, all these things. And now people are upset that you have a coach that isn't going to rush into these commitments when they haven't thoroughly evaluated someone or maybe wants to take their time on a quarterback. Or haven't figured out what the roster needs really are going to be. Because let me add one thing. I think one reason why he's taking a patient approach, Graham, is because there is going to be some transfers that are going to happen after the season. I think there's guys that are about to enter the portal here any day now from Florida's current roster. 
So we don't know what type of potential exodus could be happening, whether it's five guys, whether it's 10 guys, whether it's more than a dozen, and where now your roster needs are going to be. And I think for him, trying to get to know these players, trying to certainly watch tape on the team, and then figure out what's out there, not only from the recruiting front and what's available after the early signing period, but also what's out there in the transfer portal and and what potential guys that you can land there to fill your needs. So, look, this is this was always going to happen once this change was going to be made. Maybe there weren't going to be this many decommitments and this much change this fast, but there's not a lot of time to waste. And also, if these guys aren't going to be part of the new staff's plans, they need to find a new home and find a new home fast, and that's that's what's happening here. What really is happening here also is that there's just a whole lot of mess going on with the NCAA recruiting calendar. All the additions, the new legislation, you're going to see yearly rule changes. Ross Dellinger from Sports Illustrated reported today that Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby said the NCAA Football Oversight Committee has discussed eliminating or moving back the January early signing period to January the early signing period. That just goes to show you that all of these early coaching firings that were made with the early signing period in or, mind. Or motivated by them. Exactly. Or repercussion, whatever word you really want to use here, now may be having some ill-intended consequences here when it comes to the decisions that these young kids are being asked to make. So you're going to see this consistently change. If you blink, you miss some legislation or a report, a comment, an update, you name it. Because... This thing is constantly being tweaked. If you are not a coach that is in tune with what is changing, what is happening, you saw Napier lay out his, what is it, eight phases of the year? Yeah, and then there's six in recruiting. I mean, that's bound to change as well. Yeah. And if you're not keeping up, you're getting left behind. And there are just so many things here that – if you don't have a head coach that is in tune with all these things, it's basically you're not doing the job completely. You're not using all the tools at your full disposal. So Napier's going to be tested consistently on how well he's going to manage all of these revolving things and keeping his nose clean in recruiting. That's something we barely touched on here, but Dan Mullen could hardly recruit over the last year because of the show cause penalty. How Napier navigates all of these things on the recruiting trail, the way it consistently evolves, is going to be a huge thing for him moving forward as well. Absolutely. And moving forward, we're going to have to keep track of all these coaching hires and recruiting movements. And I think by the time we join you guys next week, there's going to be a lot more to discuss and a lot more that's been announced. So make sure you guys stay locked to Gatorsports.com for all of it. We're going to join you guys next week, probably for one more podcast before we take a little time for Christmas break and uh, enjoy the holidays with our families. Hope you guys do the same. So uh, appreciate everyone for listening and following along as we keep track of all this constant news cycle here with the Florida football program for Graham Hall. I'm Zach Abelverde.